Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion to us, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook and TikTok. And you can email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or even accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, and we hope you do, please rate and review us, give us a follow, share with a friend, and remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode in your podcast feed. And I am so happy to say that today we are here to welcome a very special guest, Christina Geist. She is an entrepreneur, a New York Times bestselling author, and a brand strategist. And Stephanie is going to read you the more formal bio. Thank you, Rachel. In work and life, Christina Geist tries to leave a positive footprint on her corner of the world using the simplest tool available, her words. She is the founder and CEO of Boombox Gifts, a New York Times bestselling author of three children's books, and the co-founder of branding and design workshop, True Geist. Christina launched Boombox Gifts in 2015, inspired by the boxes of letters she curated and designed for friends and family's milestone birthdays. Through exemplary customer care and a collaborative gift experience, Boombox has grown from one to more than 10,000 boxes, reaching over 600,000 people around the world. Christina believes your life is measured in your relationships, not your accomplishments. She's married to her high school boyfriend, NBC host Willie Geist, and lives in New York with their two teenagers, Lucy and George. She's from a loud, loving family and makes a mean chicken parm. Christina, welcome. It's Thank great you. to have you with us today. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great. so great to see my old friend. I know, I know. So for our listeners, Christina and I worked together how many years ago? Decades at this point? Yeah, it's like, 20, yeah. it's 25 years ago. It is. Oh my gosh. How are yeah. we that old? A quarter of a century. But anyway, right? I mean, um, the bio doesn't even go that far back. No, and and that's that's the thing. I mean, my gosh, what you have accomplished in in a very recent short amount of time is just incredible. Thank I mean, you. It's been a fun stretch in my forties. Um, yeah, I think in my fifties I'll slow down, but you know, I've got a little time. Yeah, that's what you say now. It's funny you yeah, said that about exactly. about the bio because I do feel like we're all in our forties now. We can get rid of the part on the resume where we talk about like the babysitting job, right? We don't need right. that anymore. We have real right. experience, right? <laughs> um, so, Christina, what meaningful accessory do you want to talk about today with us? So I brought. I'm I'm laughing because you you all can see me. The listener can't, but I'm wearing. <laughs> I have two wrists full of bracelets that are from my dear friend, Brett Lauren. Her name is um, Brett Lauren Krugman, who is a friend of mine who I grew up with. Her brand is called Brett Lauren. um, And she makes really beautiful jewelry, but most importantly, she employs women who are in transition. So um, she comes from a design family. Her dad was a fashion designer. We grew up together in the same town in New Jersey called Ridgewood. And Brett's younger sister, Alex, was one of my very first friends in first grade. And our families grew up together and a whole bunch of sisters and all of our parents 
all close friends. And they were sort of like the cool house growing up because their dad was an actual fashion designer in New York City. And Alex and I would have playdates. We grew up about 20 miles outside of Manhattan. So on a typical Saturday playdate, her dad would have to go into his showroom and we'd hop in the car and go and have a playdate in his showroom in the fashion district in New York. And so they're a super creative family and in a town of, you know, kind of like doctor, lawyer, banker town. Um, it was always so fun to be at their house in such a creative environment. And um, Brett, uh, you know, grew up and um, when their father passed away, sadly, um, she decided to go take a jewelry course in Italy. And she'd always worked in the business. She'd always worked in design and fashion. And, um, and so she struck out on her own also sort of in her 40s and um, established this jewelry line um, of her own for, you know, the first time she was really going out with her own brand. So to wear your friend mm-hmm. um, is really um, special. And, and you know, each piece is really unique. And um, her philosophy is linking and lifting. And her materials mm-hmm. say, we strive to employ women from local underserved communities to hand assemble your jewelry while providing opportunity, education, and renewed confidence. And, you know, it's very easy to take a, um, an accessory idea and to, you know, mass produce it, um, and kind of take something beautiful and then decide it's gotta be for everyone. Therefore I have to strip it down to its lowest common denominator and I need to mass produce it as cheaply as possible to kind of like, just spew it out into the world. Right. And like, that's kind of the that's sort of the way so many brands have developed and she's actually had to really consciously do the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And I really admire that. Um, And so that's why I I wear her and I'm actually allergic to metal, um, most metals. So I don't own a lot of jewelry. I have my wedding band. I have a few pieces that are um, typically platinum because I'm allergic to nickel and I'm allergic to a lot of metal that's in a lot of the more fun jewelry. So I don't, I'm always shy about buying an expensive piece of jewelry because there's a chance I'm going to be allergic to it, mm-hmm. um, which is great for Willie. I'm like the cheapest I was going to say, yeah. he's psyched. Lucky him. I'm a really cheap date. Yeah. Um, but so I love Brett's pieces, first of all, because they're, I don't have a reaction to them. And right. um, I can have like, you know, I can mix and match the colors and I kind of can throw them on with any outfit. So um, that's my that's my favorite accessory is my friend. Well, that is very cool. Um, our listeners, like you said, can't see your beautifully adorned wrist, but we will definitely post pictures. And we're also going to link to the website and to her Instagram as well, for sure. Um, but we also kind of wanted to know, because we think a lot about meaningful accessories and when you wear them. So you said that you wear them often. Do you, um, like, what do you love about wearing them and kind of what comes to mind when you're wearing them? And you know, I think there is something really fun and creative in her pieces because they're meant to be, um, they're meant to be mixed and matched a bit. So Mm -hmm. there's something fun about, all right, today I'm in, um, I'm in blue. So I'm going to grab, you know, three light blues and put those on or mix them up with others. And so it's kind of, um, a creative exercise when you put them on. And then what's really fun is that I feel like, um, you know, through the podcast, you're doing this where you're connecting people and you're connecting women. And I think we naturally do this anyway, but what's been so fun about the development of Brett's business kind of in concert with my own is that both of our worlds have gotten so much wider in the last, you know, five, five or five plus years. 
Um, and so I will often be out with a friend and they're wearing her pieces um, all the time. And because they came to a trunk show at my apartment five years ago in New York City or, you know, just through knowing me, they get to know her work. And mm-hmm. so that's the most rewarding is when you're kind of out there in the world and you see her pieces in other people's lives. Yeah. And, and, and that is so fun because I take, um, you know, I take pride in what she's done. And then I get, I'm just out to dinner with someone and all of a sudden I look down and they might have two of her bracelets on mixed in with some of their own pieces mm-hmm. and sort of, you know, they take it and make it their own. And, um, and that just happened last Friday at a dinner party with a friend of mine named Sandy. I was, I looked down, I was like, Oh, there you go, girl. Um, so and we, cool. just, we just sort of had a little smile. Um, and even at my kids' school, they started a new school a year or so ago. And I went to like that first overwhelming night of, you know, like new parents, barbecue yes. thing. We've been. Yes. You know, and, and you're the new kid, right? You're the yes. new kid um, on a night like that. And I was at the check-in table making my name tag. And this woman at the check-in table said, oh my gosh, you're Christina. I know Brett. I'm a friend of Brett's. And she held up her wrist and she's wearing like four or five of Brett's bracelets. Um, and all of a sudden we just stood there and chatted, um, which was nice to have something to talk about, you know. <laughs> right, right. In environments where you're like, okay, where do I start? Well, it's um, interesting to hear about the story behind Brett's business and sort of her having to re, you know, reverse engineer her approach. And it, it sort of made me think about your business, Boombox Gifts, right? Where... Um, and you, I'll have you talk about it, but essentially you're dealing with very sense, you're dealing with friendship in a box, right? And love in a box and, and sort of a similar model of having to take, you know, great care of people's memories. And tell us a bit about Boombox and how that all got started. Yeah, happily. So, um, you know, I tend to kind of move through life and and collect friends and try to keep them as long as I can. And I'm <laughs> we lucky. get that. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I'm I'm lucky that my college girlfriends are still very, very, very closely connected to me. And I went to college in at Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm originally from New Jersey, as I said. Um, and my college girlfriends were for, sort of like scattered all over the country, right? Um, typical story for many of us. And um, maintaining those friendships can be difficult. And um, I'm so lucky that we did, you know, and we kind of made it to 40 and felt really proud of that. And when Amy, who was my big sis in my sorority, was turning 40, she was the first among us. Um, Kristen, who lives in Chicago, was like, I saw this, I read this somewhere where we can, you know, kind of collect letters and put them in a jewelry box. And she was going to be making the slideshow. So I took on the responsibility of making <laughs> the memory box because we were really going for it. We were going to all yeah. meet in, in Key West and, um, you know, have this great weekend together. So I just kind of raised my hand and took on the project and found myself on my 1997 Yahoo uh, email account that I still keep because that's like a time capsule in and of itself. Yeah, amazing. Uh, reaching out to as many people as I could track down in her life and trying to find those spokes in the wheel, right? So her high school friends, her big brothers in Alabama, who are not the most emotive guys in the world, um, her parents who are now um, both in heaven. So imagine she's got them in her boombox um, in a way that you know we couldn't have predicted would have been as meaningful as it is now, only eight years later. Um, and so over email, I just asked them to write her a message and I took all their content 
and I found cards that fit this box that we had found online and fed them through my printer at home. No photos, just the <laughs> messages. And our goal was 40 messages, 40 letters for her 40th birthday, 40 people that mattered most to her. We found her first boss. Um, we found, um, you know, it was a little bit of a detective game kind of. But as I got on the airplane and I held this box in my lap because I would not part with it. It was so important. <laughs> so and, you know, ordered a glass of wine on the airplane because I was just bursting with anticipation to give this to her. And I had never really held someone's life in my hands in that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got on the trip, we watched the slideshow twice and she sat and she read these cards over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the way to dinner that night, um, Chris, so we all call each other by our last names from college and my maiden name is Sharky. So I'm Shark. Kristen was Osborne. So she's Oz. And then the taxi ride, you know, Ozzy turned to me and she's like, this is a thing. Why isn't this a thing? Shark, this should be your thing. And um, she was right. And so I kept going and I kept making them. My dad turned 70 a month later. So he's boombox number two and very proudly will tell you. He is I love it. I <laughs> That's love awesome. it. Um, <laughs> even though there was no brand name. At the time. Right. Doesn't matter. But lo and behold, <laughs> I had spent 20 years in the branding world, in yes. early days in PR, working with Stephanie, mm-hmm. then moving into all different facets of marketing, branding, communication, message development, copywriting, naming, a packaging design. I had done all of these things in my career over a 20-year period and thought, oh my gosh, maybe this is the thing I'm actually supposed to do. Maybe this is my brand. Uh, that I'm supposed to build now. Um, and I was at a point in my career where one of my old um, creative directors who I'd worked with at Interbrand and at Johnson & Johnson named Todd True, he was looking to strike out on his own and start a branding firm. He called me and said, I think we should hang out a shingle and you know go into business together. And I was like, well, I've got this other idea. So can I do that with you and still do this? And we shook on it and I went back to work at Truegeist and we work with clients on their brands and doing everything from designing their logo to naming their business. Or right now I'm writing concepts for a diaper brand, a baby diaper brand for a client. And I take all of that income and I deposit it into Boombox and I bootstrapped and built the business um, in its first six years before we took outside capital for the first time um, right around the six year mark. Um, and so that those two businesses sort of live in a codependent way. Um, but it enabled me to have flexibility in the way that I really wanted to build the experience and resist those temptations to scale right out of the gate and strip it down to its lowest common denominator and take the magic out of it in order to make it appeal to everybody where in reality, what I needed to learn was, will people emote this way when a brand is involved in this transaction of memories and deepest, most personal um, stories and, and sentiments, all of a sudden you're trusting a brand to facilitate that for you. And does that work? That was really the key question. 
Well, we can and, and it does, right? <laughs> I was going to say before you came on, Stephanie was showing me the beautiful boombox gift that you made for her. Um, she ordered it. We couldn't remember what year because we all have COVID brains and we don't right. understand if it's but 2019 it or 2022 COVID, exactly. that um, you made for Stephanie's son's bar mitzvah, which happened during COVID. And she was showing it to me and our jaws were dropping over every thing that was in that box and just yeah. the quality of it. We'll, we'll post some pictures of it too, but I mean, congrats to you because it's an amazing idea and very well executed. And the way you tell a story, I mean, I could sit and listen to you tell the story behind Boombox Gifts and True Guys forever. It's just, it's, it's great to see you succeeding at what you so clearly love doing and as a follow-up to that, I can't even believe you're doing other things, but we have this in common. I'm a children's book author, and I know you are in the midst of your burgeoning children's book authorship career going on. Can you tell us how you came up with the first idea and the second and the third and how that's all going? Yes. Um, it, it, I wear a couple different hats for sure, but I think they're all <laughs> rooted. They're all rooted in storytelling. And um, yeah. When my kids were little, I had taken four years off, like, and I was just home with them in my late thirties before Boombox, before True Guys, before all that happened. And when you're a writer at work, which I had been for, you know, at that point, 15 years or so, you get to work every day and there's something to write. And then all of a sudden I'm home with my kids and there's no place for that creative energy to go. And mm -hmm. so naturally I start turning on you know, these little stories are dancing around in my head. And that's how I describe them to my little friends when I go visit a preschool or an elementary school that, you know, ideas kind of dance around in your mind and you have to let them out. Um, and I let them out in writing. That's kind of the most natural way for me to express myself and always has been. And so um, I did have these little stories dancing around in my mind. And they're um, the first three books are all based on a brother and sister um, named Lady and Buddy, which for me are just kind of a universal catch-all nicknames mm -hmm. for little people. And um, they're loosely, they're inspired by my kids, but not really based on my kids. They're more inspired by these moments that are universal to everybody raising a young person, whether that's mm -hmm. bedtime when they transition from a crib to a bed and all of a sudden they don't stay in the bed and you know you get your child tucked in and you read those three stories and you go to the kitchen to take a deep breath and you know pour a glass of wine and get the Chinese, <laughs> get the Chinese delivery and all of a sudden there's this tiny person and look who shows up in the doorway right? oh great okay you know and so all of your bedtime routines are totally upended right in that transition. And I, uh, I remembered this progressive muscle relaxation technique that we had learned in a high school wellness class, believe it or not, everything goes back to Ridgewood, New Jersey, um, in Ridgewood high school and where you, you progressively move from your feet up to your head and you kind of tense your muscle groups and then you relax them. And one night when I was trying to get, a, this was my, my older child, my daughter into that toddler bed, I just started to like, jokingly kind of say like beep beep your turn we've turned off your feet we've turned off your knees we, and, and turning her body off and powering her down and that is the inspiration for buddy's bedtime battery um and sorry grown-ups you can't go to school was rooted in the separation moment where it happened to be a a, a toddler summer camp it wasn't actually school drop-off the first time I sort of leaned on this tool in the toolbox um where you know, about a week before a three-year-old goes to summer camp, believe it or not. But you know what? You need those little programs. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And you need those couple hours a day, especially when you have the little baby um, to take care of in the meantime. And I started to just say, sorry, you can't go to camp to sort of everyone in the family and the dog and the baby. No, Lucy's going right. to camp. None of you are going to camp for a week. And as we do this, she just progressively gets to like pack more things in her little camp backpack and kind of puff up her um, shoulders because all of a sudden she was in charge and she was going yeah. off to camp. And so I just kind of lean on that, whether it was like karate drop off or school drop off or ballet not every time, but sometimes like, you know, jokingly, here I come, I'm, you know, here are my ballet shoes and, and they would just turn around and reject me. And that became the impetus for sorry, grownups, you can't go to school. And then more recently, Buddy's new buddy um, is just really about making a friend and um, finding what you have in common. And this is something that, you know, we all need to do and we all do in any family, but I think adults too, where you walk into any kind of a new moment, which Ironically, I wrote this book in the fall of 2019 before COVID, before mm-hmm. so many families relocated and even without a relocation, just being in and out of school, on and off of Zoom, you know, behind a mask, out of a mask. This idea of like my routines are all gone, which happens to little people all the time. We push them into new situations constantly. And then as adults, we sort of stand on the on the threshold and don't necessarily take a step but we push our kids across the threshold, right. you know, day in and day out. Right. Um, and so this is a story about friendship and, and finding something you have in common um, just, you know, one day at a time, one person at a time. And, um, and buddy's new buddy is, is about that experience of having someone close to you move away and you're not the new kid, but all of a sudden you feel new again. Um, and how do you navigate that? In a way, I feel like your stories are as much lessons for parents as they are children, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Probably, true. Probably true. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. But it's so much fun. And I'm sure you feel the same way, Rachel. Like I see like a picture book is kind of like a golden ticket to connect with, oh. you know, my nieces and nephews. I have, I have, well, we have 11 grandkids on my side of the family, on the Sharky side, and then four on my husband's side. So I have a lot of inspiration because all of those, uh, they're all young. They're all, you know, primarily younger than my kids. My younger, my youngest sister just had uh, her fourth baby a month ago and her oldest is in kindergarten. So I still have tons of inspiration (laughs) in my own family, but um, you know, the, the books are like a golden ticket to yes go somewhere where it's not just my nieces and nephews, but, you know, last week I'm at a uh, beautiful little bookstore called Katona Reading Room in my community here in Westchester. And I'm sitting there and how else would I have something to say to this three-year-old, you know, who comes in the door? But all of a sudden I said, did you know a book wears a jacket? And we were taking the jacket <laughs> off and looking at oh my the book jacket. And I said, you know a book wears a jacket? And that's kind of a throwaway line in my talk. She yeah, just laughed out loud. And we had the funniest little moment over the fact that a book wears a jacket. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, so I love true. It. I we love can, it. Can, we can connect so much with little readers because I remember still, I like you and Stephanie does too. We have close girlfriends from all over, particularly from college. And Stephanie and I were connected with a writing friend of mine who was a grad school friend of Stephanie's, but a lot of my college friends, kids are younger. So they still connect with me over the children's book and they'll ask me funny questions and going to the schools is the best. And just talking to these kids who will say, God knows what, you know, it's, it's really fun. So uh, you must be so much fun to connect with in the schools. I can only imagine. 
Yeah. We, I, we have a good time. We have a good time. I'm great at the like drop in. Here's Christina for 45 minutes, but <laughs> boy, God bless teachers. I mean, they are honestly doing God's work in there. They, they <laughs> sure are. They sure are. And, and I mean, Christina, so you've, you've taken your love of different areas of your life and you've turned them into things that are more, you know, more than just hobbies. And I'm curious, like, what has inspired you along the way? How have you just, I mean, your energy is just like boundless. Um, thank you. That's a nice compliment. I don't know. Well, it's true. Happen, I only like, speak truths here. When, so, we, you when, know. We, when we turn off the microphone, you know, I should admit I'm in like bare feet. I'm not even wearing shoes. It's um, really fine. I work fine. from home. I always, I always have, but I think, um, look, I'm lucky. I, I can afford to take risks. And so mm-hmm. I, um, and, and, you know, many women cannot afford that level of risk taking, um, to take a creative idea and then actually go to implementation. I, I feel like ideas are very easy. Ideas mm-hmm. come to us, especially moms day in, day out all the time, yeah, right? Too. Like moms are hacking, they're hacking everything all the time. <laughs> but then when you, when you take one of those ideas and you decide I'm going to commit to it and I'm actually going to implement it and make it happen, whether it's a podcast or a jewelry brand or whatever it is, that is a very different level of commitment and a very different step to take. And, um, you know, it requires, quite honestly, it requires onboarding and, and um, support from your entire family and your friend group and your network, because nothing gets off the ground without the support of your personal, um, your village. And, yep. you know, that, and that mm-hmm. begins at home. And there was a moment when, um, first of all, we realized when our kids were little and Willie's career, we, we grew up together. We've been classmates since sixth grade. We were in yeah. the same English classes, in the same math classes. We, he was he, the new kid, right? He was, he was the new kid in sixth <laughs> in grade. Respects, yeah. right, he was right. the new kid in sixth grade. And um, so we have been academic equals since we were 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and so when we are all of a sudden now, you know, whatever we are, 30 something, and we have young kids and we're living in New York and his, his career took this vertical trajectory, um, right around the time the kids were like three and one. Perfect time. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> Nothing else going on at all. Yeah. A lot, a lot had happened right when they, when Lucy was born, when our oldest was born, he started to do a TV show called Morning Joe on yep. NBC. So Morning Joe is the same age as our daughter. I and watch he, it every morning. Yeah. Morning. She has, she has the mug. I have the mug. <laughs> oh gosh. Also, nice. by the way, my son's name is Joe. He's 19 now. And so, but when he was little and it would be on, he'd be like, Joe, 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 Joe. <laughs> that's me. That's my show. Exactly. There oh, we go. that's anyway. so fun. So you, I know. So, you, so you relate like Morning Joe is totally started when yeah. he was probably going to preschool, right? Yes, definitely. So that show, the age of that show is kind of meaningful in our lives. And then a few years later, um, Willie also starts to do a second TV show. Then a few years after that, he starts to do a third where he would go across the street to the Today Show. So a lot was going on in his career. And we kind of looked at each other and I was like, I think I need to wave the white flag and just kind of be yeah. home for a couple of years. And um, and that was when they were three and one. And I left Johnson & Johnson where I was in the global strategic design office. Mm. I was working on the baby businesses globally. Um, I was working on a lot of the skincare brands, consumer brands. 
at a very big global level in a very creative environment, which is kind of like the pinnacle of a branding job, right? Like if yeah. you're creative yeah. and you can work on like, I mean, the pinnacle for me, not necessarily for everybody, but I was there, I was in the dream job and then I'm leaving it. And um, so I think we both sort of knew in that moment that I would jump back in at some point. What that would be, neither of us knew, but we kind of knew that I would jump back in at some point. And so when these three things started to coalesce and all of a sudden I sell a book to Random House, I'm going to go back into business in this branding firm and I'm going to pursue this, this startup idea in Boombox, that could have, conversation could have gone very differently at home. It could have been, um, I, I, it's hard in a podcast because the listeners can't see me, but just imagine like when you present an idea to someone in your life, they either react to it one of two ways. They either lean in and they kind of like, like get giddy and they sort of say like, how are you going to do that? Or their posture pushes back and they kind of uh, turn their chin down a little bit in like almost a professorial sort of way and ask, how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. And my husband is a lean in, how are you going to do that type of person? um, As are many of my friends and you, you need to surround yourself with those people um, and the first day we turned the website on at True Guys, which was February of 2015, Willie came in from work. There was a guitar lesson going on in the apartment <laughs> and a play date going on in the apartment. And we lived real tight in the city, real tight, like corporate housing, real tight. Yeah. And I was at the desk right there in the living room among all of it. And I said, we just turned the website on. And he looked at me, he said, you're going to need office space. Oh, not, wow. not, okay, wait. Do we have enough childcare or how are you going to do that? Or what what are the hours going to be? And how is that going to work? His reaction was, you're going to need office space. Um, So yeah, I mean, as much as I tend to like jump off the high dive with no floaties and figure it out, I have the support of my my family and my partner um, so that I could also take pretty significant financial risk, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm launching one business and using it to fund another and not contributing to buying the groceries on a weekly basis from a budgetary perspective at home. That's a family conversation. That's a family discussion. And, um, and that gets riskier over time. Businesses get bigger and they require more financially. And, um, you know, that's the reality of a startup and you, um, you have to face that reality. You know, you got to put grown up clothes on. I don't today. I'm barefoot, but you have the bracelets um, on. You have grown up bracelets exactly. on. And I exactly. Put, and I put lip gloss on, even though the viewers can see it. Yeah. Um, we appreciate also, that. That's also a big deal. Um, so, very yeah. long winded answer to your very short question is I think for anyone out there who's pursuing an idea, um, think about what are the smallest steps possible to start to get that idea into motion. Mm-hmm. And it, you're not gonna change the world with it overnight, at least, but maybe you will brighten up your corner of the world. And what are the steps you need to take that are small, where you can just start to pursue that and you know, take whatever level of risk you are comfortable with um, and that you can accept to kind of Give that idea a chance and give it some oxygen and give it a little bit of a runway. I'm using a lot of 
uh, analogies here. We love it. Uh, hey, keep going. It's fine. We could, we could talk like that all day long. All day. All Stephanie day. and I could take but, one concept and just, could we just take it? You should see our text. Yeah. I mean, but, I, but the thing is, it's incremental progress is progress, is. right? I mean, right. you just have You're to do something. It. You do something. One thing a day, two things a day, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. So you're That's like, you move let's forward. do it. Let's, sh- let's do the podcast. What That's is what we do. We keep saying we're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah. So like yeah. you have to figure out how do we record it? What kind of, ex- what kind of investment do we have to make into equipment and into mm-hmm. the website and into yep. support that has to be wrapped around it. And that's a, that's a commitment and you have great partnership together. That's also great. If you can, if listeners out there are like, how do I do it? How do I begin? I think role models are great, but partners are better because you don't want to just look out there and say, well, so-and-so did this. And I, you know, I wish I had had that idea. Who cares? They already went, they already pursued that idea. The question is how did they do it? And what were the steps they needed to take? And, um, you know, the good news is so many stories are so public now. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. actually like, you can do detective work on your favorite concept and Mm -hmm. you can get pretty deep on how they did it. And they're not usually shy about sharing the playbook. Most founders are happy to share the playbook um, because the chances of you coming in and trying to do what they already did are so slim because it's so hard. (laughs) <laughs> exactly it's true it's so true um, your story is so inspiring and I think it will be inspiring to a lot of I'll say women in particular who those of us who are lucky enough who've been able to take a break here or there with um staying home with kids I've been on different sides of that with part-time full-time took a couple years off so it's just I think it's really inspiring to just hear how you did it and that you're right you had this um cheerleader in Willie and in your family and in your friends, um, since you are a brand expert and we like to talk about brands, we wanted to know how you would describe your family's brand. Oh, well, so that they're very different brands. If you're talking about, (laughs) if you're talking about the sharky side, my, my, um, you know, my immediate family, uh, we are very expressive very loud, very long-winded. We're the types that are giving the long toast and crying. <laughs> How and, long does it take you to leave an event? That's what I want to know. Oh, you never leave. You never, <laughs> you leave. never leave. Yeah, yeah. there's like Same. no, right. there is no real leaving because the phone call will happen yeah. on the ride home. Willie jokes about when I answer Laughing. the phone, I'm one of four kids. If I answer the phone and it's either my mom or one of my sisters and I, and they called me, I might not actually say a word for like four or five minutes because <laughs> they called. So they're, they have some, they're talking, right. And their turn. Yeah. And then it's vice versa. Same on the flip side. Right. We should have them on the podcast. All the sharks. I know. Oh my God. You can't get through it. Yeah. You, you wouldn't get through it. Um, so they, uh, that, that is, um, that, so our family brand, I can't do it in one word because (laughs) it's too much. Um, but I would say in my, in the Sharky family, friends and family 
are synonyms in our mm-hmm. family dictionary. I've said that before, but yeah, growing up, friends and family are synonyms in our family dictionary. That's how we operate. So um, it's a big, big tent. Everybody's in it. Um, and then with Willie's side of the family, um, which is the Geist side, but really his mom is one of four kids and they are the Lewises. So it's Lewis slash Geist family. They are also very tight knit, very raucously funny, like um, to the point where on Thanksgiving, um, Libby, Willie's one sister who lives about a half an hour from us, hosted at her brand new, beautiful house. And it was this beautiful Thanksgiving dinner. And you're just wondering and waiting, like, when will the food fight be? And who (laughs) will initiate it or is someone going to drink the gravy boat like they did that time or will there be a talent show like what's about to happen um and sure enough there was a a pie thrown in the kitchen um yeah beautiful um so they're like very very funny and um always like sort of uh like digging at each other in a very very loving way um but like there's a little more bite to it than on my side um it's a little bit softer we Mm -hmm. have we have a little bit of a softer edge so I always tell my kids when they're going to play basketball we have this conversation we actually had it this morning because basketball practices begin today Mm -hmm. on the basketball court you have zero sharky DNA, zero. <laughs> Leave that at home. All Geist on the basketball court. Like Geists go for the rebound. Sharkies are like, ah, that was a lot. <laughs> nice shot. So I love also- that though. It's a great way to sort of pull in different, you know, parts of who you are, right? Into different situations. I think that's brilliant. Yes. And they, and they know this, my kids know. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's like, whose blood is running through your veins today? Not not mine. Like, let it be all dad. If you're going to try to go out there and achieve that. That's fantastic. If you're going to use that anything competitive and athletic. Yeah. I'm a, I grew up as a dancer, so I have no aggression in me at all. (laughs) I'm the last person you should pick on any sports team. Okay. But, but apparently you're a cook. So tell us about this mean chicken parm. You know what? I feel like chicken, chicken parm unites people. It does. It does. You know, like who doesn't like it. We were talking about chicken parm at my Thanksgiving table. I'm not kidding. Did you, that might've been better than turkey. It was, we were discussing a story about how a couple that I know met They're They actually live in Ridgewood right now. So shout out to them. I know a lot about Ridgewood. Yeah. No, but Stephanie and I met through baking. We both love to bake. So, um, Mm -hmm. we get it. Yeah. So you love, you love to make a chicken parm. Yeah. It unites people. And, um, and you know what, a lot of places don't, they get it wrong because the chicken is like too, um, much like, like a crispy cutlet. Mm-hmm. And that you can't have any of that so like if you get chicken parm a lot of times from like 
um you know the deli like the italian deli that's going to make like the best sub ever because like it, when you're from new jersey new york like it's like we have delis yeah. like there that's you know you don't get like a sandwich from like subway you go to like the deli and they're always like italian delis um and that's how we grew up unless it's jersey mike's which is a franchise that i absolutely love um but jersey mike's started out as a local deli in new jersey too but anyhow the um i digress so chicken parm from the Italian deli sometimes is like a cutlet that then the the, the sauce and the cheese gets added to it. Yes. But a, a, a great chicken parm, it doesn't get made in those separate ways. Like the, the cutlet is only very, very lightly fried in the olive oil and almost not even cooked the whole way. Mm-hmm. Because then when you put it in the oven, you're finishing the job. And at that point you have um, the sauce on top of it and the cheese on top of it. So everything stays like super um, juicy because you don't want it to dry out. So solid, solid work right there. We're going to have to compare. Really yeah. It's not really that there's a recipe. It's the timing. And if you yeah. get the timing okay. right, everything should be like, like very, very um, drippy. Right. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. You're making me hungry. I like, know. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, it should feel kind of drippy. Um, so, that's Christ- Christina, um, what else? What are you? What else are you working on? Oh, what's next? Yeah, because you have nothing on your plate right now. There has uh, to be a next. We know there is. Tell us the big, the big stuff right here. The big news. So I think I, well, I don't know yet because I haven't pitched this and I haven't written it. But I'm moving into, like, what's the next children's book? And so, Buddy, there are three titles in that series, and I am officially wrapping him up and Mm, tying tying it off with a bow and allowing myself to now think about new characters. And um, my newest character that I dreamed, I've been thinking about him for a while, but I um, I couldn't sort of like put a pin on it. I just kind of like I had this idea of a shark that's a sweetheart. And um, so then I woke up yesterday morning and I dreamed of, oh, okay. I think I have the hook for him and I can't share it because, you know, this is tough. Right. right. Um, and it's also related to your name, shark. So Love exactly. It. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and we can't wait to. yeah. And sharkies are sweethearts. Like we're not tough. Um, so it, yeah, like I think as an homage to my family roots, I may pursue that idea. I have a couple different ways I'm thinking about formatting it. It may not be picture books. They might be actually like early readers. Um, I love, did your kids, did you ever read Mr. Putter and Tabby to your kids or Mercy Watson? Those are like my two favorite, like early reader chapter books. Okay. That are, they're chapter books, but they're super short and they're like um, very vibrant characters and then they like each little book is kind of like a different adventure for them. Um, Clearly, we were bad parents in that because we did we read everything else. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know where we stumbled on. Mister Putter is an old guy, and his cat's name is Tabby. Mister Putter and Tabby. Oh. And okay. Next door neighbors are Mrs. Teaberry and her dog Zeke, and we just loved them. They're so funny. Um, and Mercy Watson is a pig, and she lives with human parents, and they treat her like a human child. And there are these hilarious adventures of Mercy Watson. They're all different chapter books. And I love both of those um, series. And so I'm sort of studying their format to think about 
Um, can I kind of go in that direction and take mm-hmm. a step away from picture books? Who knows? Call me in six months and there might be a totally different. We never know. Well, well clearly you have a very creative mind and you don't right. let the grass grow. And last question, where can our listeners find you? Um, website, social media, like where do you want people to go to, to check um, you out? Online, it's just my name, christinageist.com, which is super easy um, to remember. And that will link through to anything that we talked about today, books, boombox, uh, true guys, branding, etc. Um, so that's just christinageist.com. And then on social, I'm on Instagram. I'm Christina Sharkey Geist. Um, and same on, um, Facebook. And, you know, you can, if you always, if you just search Willie Geist wife, you'll find me. <laughs> Is that your website? WillieGeistWife.com. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. That's how a lot of people, you know, get their information. It's okay. I, I own it. 20 years of marriage and uh, you know many what? more, many more than that of friendship. Uh, Maybe he says Christina guy's husband. Search there you that. go. Who knows? Who knows? I oh, think so. Sounds oh. like he probably does. We need that on a mug. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in favor of that for sure. For sure. Christina, this has been a delight. I, I just, it's been so fun to hear more about your journey and, um, you know, you, you are all about friendship and, and giving and love and you're wearing friendship on your wrist, right. With your, um, beautiful bracelets that you shared with us today too. So, um, thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to be with us. Um, it was great fun to catch up. Thank you so much, old friend. So good to see you. You as well. We love it. Thank you to our listeners and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.